All right. Happy Friday, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Learning Tech Talks. We are back after a week off last week from Thanksgiving, but we are back exploring the landscape of learning technology while cutting through the fluff and getting the questions answered you need answered. And uh, while we're getting started here, if you can like the post, share it, tag in somebody who might benefit from our discussion. This is going to be a fun one. So today I am joined by Ahmed El Sharkse, right? Did I say it right? I know it was close. Almost. 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 You did it it better when we were rehearsing. I did it better (laughs) when we were rehearsing. Hey, I think I did the first name better though, right? I did, I did, right? You know, not, not too, all right. So your pronunciation, come on, the full thing. So Ahmed El Sharkasi. El Sharkasi. See, I knew ah, El Sharkasi. All right. I was better the first time. Okay. Anyway, um, so he is from Knowledge Officer. And this is going to be a discussion. We're talking about a couple different things because there's a bit of a consumer side and an enterprise side to what we're talking about with Knowledge Officer. But this is all about skill development and actually connecting the dots between skill development and your next career opportunity. And what does that look like? What does that mean? How does that all fit together? But before we get into that discussion, we have a couple questions that have absolutely, well, something to do with the conversation, but not completely. So the first one, and everybody can play along. This is the, this is like one of the most interactive parts of the show. Everybody play along and comment in where you are in the world today. Ahmed, where are you? I'm in London. So the UK in London. Okay, so it is the end of your Friday. Mine's just getting started, but it is the end of your Friday. I, I'm jealous. Yeah, yeah. To be honest, uh, it is 4 p.m. I started very early, so it shouldn't be <laughs> like. <it. laughs> so you're ready for it to be done. You're definitely yes, ready for it definitely to be done. Looking forward. <laughs> All right. Well, I am always in Waukesha, Wisconsin. I sometimes I question whether I ever leave this. Temperatures are dropping. It is getting cold. I am not looking forward to winter. I I definitely think at some point. We may have to move somewhere warmer, but for now, this is where we are. All right. Now, enough of the location stuff. Now on to our question. And again, everybody can play along, but Ahmed, I'm really interested in this one because your question is, and again, I gave you some, I gave you some guardrails, but I wasn't too specific. What was one of the most overwhelming new jobs you ever started? Hmm. That's an interesting one. Um, actually, like one thing I would say first, I, I, I usually like, um, like take it serious when it comes to taking a new job. And I always even like talk to my friends that I have this formula or framework. I, I, I love to talk about frameworks all the time, by the way. I, I'm sure I would it's a teaser into like, what we're going to talk about today. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. But I always tell people like, if you want to join a start a company. So first of all, my passion is always have been about, about startups. So I've never been like thinking startup corporate academia. Now it's all, it's all startup from the beginning. If you want to join a startup, are you basically do believe in the viability of the business? Are you passionate about the idea or the problem? Do you think you can learn uh, and work with this team or not? And if two of these uh, of these uh, three exist, you can join. If one, definitely not. If the three, please, please do join them uh, today before tomorrow. But maybe one one case happened to me at some point. It wasn't like a job, but when I when I left my job actually at at Onfilo, a company where I used to work um, okay. uh, for um, in the UK, and I joined um, Entrepreneur First, uh, the accelerator program in, in, in the UK. And, and for me, it was a big jump, uh, not just because I left basically a secure job to jump into the world of starting my own thing and the, the whole risk around it, but actually it was quite intense. I, my background is software engineering, so pitching and, and, yeah. and basically talking about my business every day to investors, to partners, to like trying even to find a co-founder from the court is not the thing that I do enjoy <laughs> the most. So yeah, so basically it was all basically all day presenting, putting yourself in, in, in a stage. Putting yourself getting, out there. Yeah, and getting hardly challenged, um, basically on on what you are saying. They are trying really to break every every basically hypothesis um, to try to make sure that it is defensible. You know what you are doing. You okay. have the right uh, basically framework and structure. It that was, was not your comfort zone. Yeah, but and, and something which I've learned from from this experience and also previously, I, I always love to like fight my fears. And I remember at some point, even when I was an engineer, I was always afraid of like um, um, like presenting in front of a big group uh, and uh, and especially when when i moved to the uk about six years ago it wasn't like basically my home country so i didn't know a lot of people and a new place and now you got to be in front of everybody (laughs) exactly so the way i i I did i did fight it and this was maybe like five years ago i sent an email to my manager just without thinking hey 
I want to be uh, pitching, uh, presenting in the next tech talk uh, in two weeks time. I have a presentation and I have a topic. And that's it. I send the email without even rethinking. And it, it was very good. The, before you could hit the exactly. no, don't do it button. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Okay. I like it. I like it. Awesome. Well, and, and again, we're going to be talking about what it means to actually transition those skills. How do you grow them and how do you actually make that pivot? So for mine, I'll, I'll share mine very briefly. Um, so before, it's been a few years now, it was a while back, but I went and took a role uh relatively senior level role for a pharmaceutical company. And I went into it thinking this should be a pretty easy transition because it still was learning and talent development. It was a, it was a function that I felt pretty familiar with, but I did not know how complex pharmaceuticals was. And I happened to take over the regulatory side of this, which now I didn't just need to learn pharmaceuticals. I needed to learn the entire product life cycle from, you know, the very beginning to post-market stuff. And I, I remember thinking, how on earth am I? It just was overwhelming the sheer amount of knowledge that I was going to have to consume to do it. And I remember I took, I took Coursera courses. I took edX courses. I did everything I could to try and upskill myself so I didn't sound like a complete idiot when I was talking to these other PhDs and all these other people who understand and have grown up in pharma. But like you said... You figure it out, you chart a path and you just, you just go with it and you learn. And sometimes you just jump off, you take a dive and you say, I'll, I'll figure it out. Um, so very, very, no, no, very good one. Switching to a whole new industry actually is even whole like new my switch was like switching careers within the same like field within technology within startups, but like switching <laughs> to a whole new industry, like having domain specific skills and knowledge and the industry specific, basically like uh, skills that you need to uh, learn and acquire. This is a whole yeah new game so yeah definitely I know, I know. well you know i i have this habit i have this habit of just go big or go home so more than once we have had a baby i've switched jobs and we've moved all in the course of about five weeks more than oh once just because it's like hey if you're gonna do it go big or go home so i guess i guess that's more my appetite for change all right yeah. well let's let's get into it because we talked about this before we went live in current in terms of the general flow but rather than just jump right into so what is knowledge officer let's start with the what was kind of the vision or the problem statement that you saw that you said hey i i, I want to do something and obviously you left your comfort zone your job and you said i'm going to jump out into the startup world i'm going to start this thing up to create knowledge officers. So what, what inspired that? And then we'll get into what is it? I think what inspired me, I mean, uh, partially I have been always been passionate about uh, education and learning online. Um, I, I, I tend to see myself as an edtech researcher as well, like beside being a founder or like someone who's trying to build a startup in the edtech, I love basically to keep myself up to date with the trends. I love reading about the psychology of, of learning and how to basically engage and motivate people while going through learning journeys. Why do people learn how, how, even the brain works in terms of yeah. like acquiring and digesting knowledge. And given that I've done several transitions in my life, I've been through this journey in my life. I've seen the pain, I've seen the struggle, I've tried many, 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 many more products across the different basically categories with their MOOCs, boot camps, LMSs, and skills, upskilling apps, all these kind of things. And there has been always like very common theme themes around problems, which I faced. One of them was information overload. So the fact that there is whole, basically loads of content, I can't make yeah, sense of it. There's like so much, you don't even know what to do with it. Exactly, That this is one problem. Um, second problem is the lack of true personalization. Like okay. th there isn't that many personalized product in learning out there in the market. Many people talk about personalization, but very few actually do personalization. So you can personalize things when it's actually the same for thousands of people watching the same content or going through the same assessment. This is not personalization, or at least this is wasn't my dream or like my vision of personalization having a learning path as unique as my dna I, I i have different backgrounds than other people i have different needs ways of learning so i wanted something that is truly personalized and the third and, and, and last common theme was clickbait the fact that quality is is questionable in everything that you um basically get um, your hands on online now whether a video a resource a medium article anything so I don't want to waste my time going through this because everyone's time is valuable and now our attention span is getting shorter and shorter. So if I'm spending this one hour of learning and I'm, I'm, I'm keeping it tough on myself to stick to it, yeah, yeah better be worth it. Actually, so worthwhile. Yeah, well, and uh, two things, two things on that that I think are really interesting about it is one, the clickbait thing I think is 100% 
you see, you see a lot of this stuff that's like, well, here's five tips to do this. And you're like, well, okay, yep. but is that really giving me what I need to actually move in the right direction? Or is it actually going beneath the surface? Cause it's one thing to say these top level things that you could just make up off the top of your head. It's another thing to say, well, well what actually goes into that? And then your point about personalization, I actually did a keynote on just that topic this week because it is a term that is being thrown around. To me, it's one of the new buzz terms in, in our space. And there is, there's a lot of nuance behind it. I think that's one of the biggest things. It's not necessarily that something's wrong or bad sometimes, but there's nuance to it. And when you say we're personalizing this, that could mean a lot of different things. But to your point, the aspiration, which we should be getting to, is this, like you said, the DNA of it. What is this unique yes. person's DNA? Because everybody's is completely different. And I think historically we've avoided this, not because we didn't want to, but it was much, much, much harder, especially on the corporate side. You're trying to, you're trying to do something for 10,000 people. I was in a conversation thread on this on LinkedIn this week. You try and personalize for 10,000 people. You try to do that 10, 15 years ago. That is not... That yes. is not easy. It, it was yes. almost near impossible. The yep. thing is, the rules have changed. Technology has dramatically changed that. And I think that's the one of the most exciting parts about where tech is going in this space is we really can start to truly assess somebody's DNA, their skill DNA, their career DNA, and actually prescribe and say, here's what you need. And this is personalized specifically for you. Yeah, and one thing here, uh, just uh, as well for the benefit of the audience, it's not just uh, the, for the for the love of technology and making right. things sophisticated. Okay, let's use technology because it's now better, so we can use it to personalize things. It's actually because, like, if you think about it, even from your experience, the best experience you have in learning, even offline, has been personalized. You were talking to a mentor one to one. You were exchanging questions. He would or she would know whether you digested the knowledge or not. Yep. He would pivot or she would pivot basically the way they presented the content to you. So the best experience tend to be personalized. You're just trying to basically build this using technology so that you can build it in a way that would scale and would, would suit basically the online environments that we are now all like um, um, using it um, day to day. So, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a really important point. And I think personalization is now just... Again, it's a term, but so that to your point, it's it's not new. It's not like personalization just came out of nowhere and we had no idea what this was before. We didn't really know that it worked or it didn't work before, but now it does. Yeah. I think to your point, anybody who can think back to what was the most impactful learning experience you went through? Well, it was one that truly met you where you were and then carried you to where you needed to be in a, in a way that was truly distinct and unique to your needs. And I think that's your point. Technology is an enabler of that. The other thing that we talk about a lot on this show is the fact that it's not the flip of a switch. You don't just say, hey, here's tech, turn it on, and now magically personalization happens. But yep. um, definitely there. Okay, so anyway, see now we're, this is, I told you, we're just gonna keep ripping through this. <laughs> so then, all these great things, those three core things, yep. you said, you know what, knowledge officer. I'm going to make this thing. So what is it? What is it? it? It is a combination of tech. It's a combination of personal. It's a combination. What is it? What is your elevator pitch that you've been building those skills for? So we, when we started initially, and we, we, we had definitely like a pivot in the middle at some points or like a basically more of like focus on a specific area, we started with like basically solving these problems. So trying to organize the words knowledge, adding context to content. We used to say these these kind of things and helping people learn in an environment where basically we, we care about quality, we care about personalization, and we care about learning that matters to you. And then after a while, we saw that there is a huge problem when it comes to learning, basically motivation. And we have seen uh, the, the the reports from, from MOOCs about completion rates and yeah. basically big MOOCs having like five or 3%, oh my God, like how they are living with it. How can we build platform and, and, and keep bragging about having 50 million users and, and let's say 10 million active on a week by week basis, but no, no one of them are actually finishing a course till the end. So we started to pivot into the idea of career-oriented learning, of like learning that matters for your career, which fits under a bigger umbrella of like goal-oriented learning. What is your goal of actually going through the learning journey? And then we, our vision became, we want to help people find the shortest path to employment. 
So employment is very, very important for many people. Nowadays, it's even more important post COVID. I was going to say, like 2020 and, and everything going on right now, I have to imagine that need has has jumped big time. Exactly. But like, if you think about it, like even 10 years ago, like what would what are you thinking about day and night? It's like my career, my job, what's next? Um, how do I get the first job after I graduate? So finding a way to give you a clear and, and, and short path to getting a job, whether it's your first job, whether you are switching from a career to another, whether it's a promotion, is basically the essence of what we do. And we are trying to do this with data and personalization so that it is, it is efficient and it is scalable. If The way also we tend to talk about it in terms of like um, similarity of other products, if you think of Google Maps, basically you, you put okay. the, 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 the location and you put the destination and then bang, you, you, are, you are there in the most efficient path. This bus has been tested over millions of commuters. Um, it keeps track of like any roadblocks, any weather conditions. You even tell basically that the product whether you want to go cycling, walking, so you, it gets your pace as well. And these paths keep and changing based on other in your path. Exactly. So that's I'm more of a ways what... guy myself. I'm more of a ways guy myself. But yes, I, I <laughs> sorry. <understand>. <laughs> <laughs> right. From a personalization <laughs> standpoint, your goal is just to reframe what you're saying is to help people say, I'm trying to get from point A to point B in my yes. career. And yes. this is who I am, what's important to me, what I want to do, this is it. And then you're saying, hey, here's your here's your pathway. This is the yes. shortest path between here uh, yes. to, to get to that. Yes, yes. Okay. Instead okay. of having like circular loops, this is something I've did. Like I may, I may have done the transition from software engineering to, uh, to um, product management in maybe a year. Did I do it right? Obviously not. I didn't have help. I didn't have support. I kept like looking for random pieces. I may have read like tons of books, which has never been useful to me. I might have tried <laughs> to acquire skills that no employer are looking for. So I didn't have any data that backs and, and informs my learning journey. So maybe this one year could have been shortened into six months. Maybe I could have applied for jobs that are that have more transferable skills to what I have. Maybe I've been looking more into my industry than completely shift into a different industry. Like this is what data can tell yeah. you, especially if you have like more and more of it. Well, and that to me is one of the exciting parts about this because historically, and, and I'm, I want to talk about kind of the genesis of where this came from and how things are shifting because we talked about this before that this is a shifting, this has shifted quite a bit. But one of the other shifts is historically, the way you learn this stuff was through the school of hard knocks. And that to your point was, I can think even in my career, how many times, like you said, I thought, okay, I'm going to do this and I'm going to learn this. And then you realize, that was a dead end. I went down that. I spent all this time, all this energy learning these things, trying to do this, getting this certificate or completion, only to realize, well, that didn't do anything for me. And then you come all the way back and, and then you do this versus building those connections and saying, hey, I have this. How does that connect over here? What is my next pathway? How do I jump around? And to your point, the beauty of tech and data is we can learn from this stuff to say, this is the shortest path for that versus guessing. And, and some people get lucky. Some people make a few less steps. Other people land in the pond and it doesn't go well. But the other and thing- And imagine also- uh, well, go Sorry for, for the- No, no, go for it. This, for, this is a conversation, so right? So we're interrupting yeah, yeah. each other. <laughs> you mentioned a very, very good point, uh, Christopher. So actually on, on your note as well, even more importantly, imagine that I could learn, like imagine that you have done this transition one year ahead of me. I could basically get some data that informs my journey to benefit, so to build on top of your shoulder, basically. So you have similar profile to me. Uh, you have been through this. You had you have been a software engineer. You now are a product manager. How did you do it? Like we seem to have a similar background, and we seem to have like starting from a similar point. How can I do it based on like some experience that you have done it? How can a system learn like in the similar way that uh, basically uh, Google Maps would learn from other commuters and give me a recommended path that has been refined over time? And it's not just like static. It's not just like I keep trying here and there. And that's that's the power of of, of data and, and and personalization. Yeah. And one of the things that I will just add to this piece that just needs to talking about, we talked about this a little bit before, but there are certain things we need to unlearn or we need to just put behind us. And yes. one of them, because I remember this, this mindset used to run rampant. I see it less, but I know it still exists is this idea of, well, I made it, you know, I I've done this. 
I don't, other people should learn the hard way because I had to learn the hard way. And really that's got to go. This idea of, well, I learned it hard. So everybody else does too. Forget that. If what you learned, and that's what, again, machines don't have that emotional defensiveness to say, well, I don't want to share the data, which is one of the benefits is it can say, well, if this is what we've learned, why not share it with everyone so they can all benefit from it? Yes. Indeed. Okay. 100%. So with knowledge officer though, there's two, there's two sides of it. There's yes. the consumer side. And then there's also, there's also the enterprise side. So talk a little bit about what, what are the different focus areas of those two? Because I think for job seekers or people going, Hey, I'm looking to do my next thing. This doesn't necessarily have to be something that's, I have to wait for my company to engage with something like this. this that, that, that there is a whole arm of that. And sometimes with guests, there isn't. It's a corporate solution. You have both. Yeah, exactly. So we started with the B2C side and we started with focusing on helping people basically basically bridge their gaps towards landing a job. And the way we tend to measure impact on that is actually job placement. And that's something which I want to shed the light a lot on is one thing which we miss in the industry. And that's something I'm, I'm very passionate about is like, like, how do we measure the impact and the efficacy of our learning journey? Like, and how do we make sure that we use the right metrics and KPIs? Because we could be like very delusional if we just keep activity and weekly active users or or even worse, like caring about acquisitions and how many people we are signing up every week. This is not how we tend to measure like impact or like um, or um, or efficacy in a, in a learning environment or an ed tech. This is different than other industries. Other industries might care about different things. Activity might be might matter more. Signups might matter more. Transactions might matter more. But for learning, especially for career oriented learning, and especially nowadays where people tend to, to learn less by the way, like the shifts or like learning just to expand my horizon. Like basically your grandfather and my grandfather used to basically read every every day and night and read about different topics. This is not how people do things now. Like people are distracted. They have very short attention span. Learning has like default cognitive load. So people need learning that matters that would really make even economic shifts to their lives so that they would justify the one hour, two hour that they spend every day or every week uh, because it matters and they can see really the impact and they can visualize it even in this product that they are using is communicating this on a regular basis. I'm not just trying to gamify things. Hey, I got a badge. Yeah. Hey, you have credits. I think this used to work, but nowadays it's it's well, working less. If you less. think about it, if you think about it though, this is something that's almost grown out of need. When you really break this down, it's grown out of need. Forty years ago, the skills weren't changing at the pace they were. Information wasn't as readily piling on top of you, and so there was more room, if you will, to say, "Hey, I can. I actually may have a hunger or a need to just grow and expand my horizons." just for the sake of expanding my horizons. But now everything is pushing that at you at yes. all times. Yes. And so yes. from a capacity standpoint, you do almost have to just filter this down and say, I don't have capacity to sit and just kick back and sit in a beanbag chair and, and expand my horizons. I need, I, I'm really just trying to stay on top of what do I need to know to be able to do what I need to do because there's so much. And again, not to say there's no room for it, but again, I feel like most people are just at this state of cognitive load, information overload of what do I really need and how do I filter the noise down so that I know what I need to do, what I need to accomplish. Yes, yes, indeed. So coming back to the point, so when we when we have been through this journey and we started to, we knew that basically the way to do it is to, if you want to place people into jobs, let's start from the job. Let's basically gather data that mirrors and reflects exactly and that mirrors and reflects the employer demand. Because at the end of the day, the skills gap is basically um, a gap between what the state of education yields or what you have as skills now and what the employer looks for in terms of skills that matters for the job. So we started gathering loads of data from government taxonomies, public data, recruitment data, and, and many other sources to understand what is the employer de- uh, demand. For certain careers, we picked careers that are growing, that their skills are adapting over time. And then we built the learning paths. We sort of like reverse engineered the learning paths from those data so that we really know that we, when you, if you're learning on our platform and trying to be a product manager, you're not learning everything about product management. And right. if you're learning to be a product manager in the UK, you might have a bit different content or like learning experience than the one learning as a product manager in Egypt or in India because the employer demands are a bit different. Even the way they define product management different. So like even okay. this example really matters. Like 
is the product manager the product owner? By the way, in some countries it is. Like even though we know that there's a bit, a bit of a difference, but in some product, it's company really it is. Like product manager deals with engineers, write tickets. He doesn't go beyond the scope. So we we gathered. So you really load. decrypted that even further than just oh hey product manager as an example. Yes. Hey product, you you said no product manager needs to be broken down not only into skills but regional nuance all these different things to say, hey, we need to truly understand what the end in mind, which is what is this job? What is actually expected of that? What skills do you need? Let's break that down. And then to the personalization point, let's figure out what that roadmap looks like depending on who you are or where you are. Yes, exactly. And we segment this data by industry and seniority level. At least those two things matters a lot. Like again, being a product manager in pharmaceutical requires a little bit more skills or domain knowledge than being a product manager in fintech or edtech. And the same for being a junior product manager versus a heads of product. And by time, we started to see that this data is in itself very valuable to companies. We started to understand a little bit about the, the, the people DNA of companies. Like what, what is the skills that basically have made it that this company becomes successful and, and beats the other competitors. We start to compare the profiles of companies. We published some reports about it, right? TransferWise versus Monzo or like Google versus Facebook when it comes to product management hiring. We started to get some really interesting data about how these companies hire. What are the skills that they look for? What are, tr what are the trends? And this data also like reveals the skills gap that they have against competition. So that's that's the second part of our vision, like is we want to help companies grow okay. and retain a competitive workforce. So we want them to use learning to stay competitive uh, through basically this um, data um, that uh, benchmark their stand against other competitors or against the market uh, norm and standard. So that makes sense then how the journey evolved because if I'm understanding this correctly, you started this out as, hey, how can we help people get get the jobs that they're looking for by identifying, hey, what is the job? What are the nuances of the job? What are the levels of the job? What are the different things? Let's break this thing down and let's create personal pathways. But then as that data started to pile up, you now had a wealth of information that on the enterprise side, companies would go, we have a need for that because that tells us a lot about what we need, what we have, what we don't have, what we're, are we even looking for the right things? We yes. may be saying, hey, this is what we're looking for in a product manager. And your data set might say, actually, I don't think you do, because if you're competing in this market, this is what the most successful companies in this market is, which actually gets me back to a point I was going to ask about, which was one of the challenges a lot of times, especially with job descriptions, is job descriptions aren't always the best thing there is you ask yep. anybody who's a hiring manager somebody will tell you yeah the job description doesn't necessarily sum up the role so one my question is how do you work with that and part of me is thinking well just naturally by numbers of scale sure if you're looking at one job description okay that's tough when you're looking at millions of job descriptions and using ai and machine learning to actually break this down suddenly that those outliers, those other components fall to the side and no longer is it quite as big of a risk. Exactly. And um, I, I want also to like maybe share the screen as we are talking. We might yeah, get to an example it. and this would, would be great. But as to your point, um, Christopher, I guess like data and, and the scale of data um, sort of like solves a lot of these anomalies. But like if you uh, let me know when the screen is visible, um, Christopher, um, yep. just to walk people through this uh, kind go. of example. So yeah, this is an example of a Missy basically job post. Like this is the text of it. You can't even see the breakdown. You can't see headers or like different sections. It's all like bulky text. But even through this Missy sort of like job post, when when our sort of like machine analyzes it, you can get a lot of useful information, which is pretty still complex. We had to like basically develop the technology and we, we even got grant funding from Innovate UK to basically further uh, build our skills and, and job taxonomy. So this is a product management leader. You can, as a human, identify that this is a job talking about a product manager, but it's not easy for the machine to know that just okay. from the get-go. Uh, you can know that this is um, uh, talking of potentially an industry in e-commerce or at least like someone with an um, e-commerce background. You don't yeah. have the company, uh, you know, basically the location of the job post, whether it's full-time or part-time. And then basically you get to the text and this is where it becomes really, really messy. Parts <laughs> of these texts are talking about the company, like Facebook mission yep, is to do X, Y, Z. The mission values, there's some components, the softer side of things. 
Exactly. And you, some of these keywords here or sentences could deceive you as, as a machine trying to detect it as a skill. So maybe a company is doing machine learning, but machine learning here is not a skill that is needed for the job. It's actually what the, what the company is doing. But let's take this example here. If you go to this line, for example, you will expect to invest in the development of your team, help to define clear development plans. So this is when it's talking about the job responsibility or your yeah. task when you were, if you were to take this job. Um, hiring and coaching, scaling organization, like all these kind of things we can extract from the job post. We can remove the noise. We understand what are the, the right sentences. And then we understand, okay, for someone to, to excel in this job, what do this person need to have? What are the job tasks, as we call it? Like if you know X, Y, Z, if you can hire and scale a PM team, if you can develop clear development plans and communicate it to stakeholders, okay, you should get the job. But we don't stop at this point, and definitely we don't stop at one job post because we have millions, right. and we have also millions segmented by the company as well. So we know <laughs> what Facebook hires. And if we compare this to existing product managers at Facebook, so if we compare this to data that we retrieve from CVs or LinkedIn profiles, we know what actually worked as well. So it's not just the promise that this post is telling you. Okay. You have profiles. Okay. So people... That's getting to the point of how do you counteract this is what the job description says versus what do people actually doing or how are they describing it? And so you're actually capturing multiple data points to yes. actually validate this stuff at scale. Yes, exactly. So you are taking this job post and millions of others, looking at the company to segment it right, looking at the industry, understanding this is only for senior product managers through the, the title and maybe also like a mention of the years of experience compared to existing product manager or senior product manager at Google who got the job before, understanding their skills profile. And even better, if you have some of those product manager at Facebook on the platform, knowledge officer, you can learn a lot more about them because we have skills assessment. So we can really prove they have what they say they have. And we can know a lot about their skills profile. Okay. Well, that's an, that was extremely helpful breaking that down. I think because not, not only is it helpful to understand what knowledge officer is, but if anybody's watching this, that's a very valuable exercise that you can do to actually yep. understand, hey, if this is something that I'm looking at, or this is a job I'm interested in, how should I be looking at this job description? And what are some of the other data points that I can be looking at? Now, I think the thing that, you truly have to understand the the value of tech in this to really go, wow, holy moly. Because if you think about that, looking at that, and we might say, well, 20 years ago, why didn't we do this? Can you imagine trying to read manually, you, Ahmed, reading a million job descriptions and then trying to analyze all that and objectively, there's just no way. <laughs> There's yes, just no way you could do it in, in that you'd be dead before you got through that exercise. And I think that yes. is the power and the beauty behind this technology is you can now scour and use NLP to dot, you know analyze all these mass amounts of text. You can tweak the algorithm to know, hey, how do you read this? Because again, to your point, the unique side of people is we can look at that and go, ah, oh, this is how the, this, this actually means this. And you can then train that algorithm to figure that out. So I think it's it's fascinating that you've been able to do that. But again, I think there's also some very pragmatic things that can help people say, hey, if you're looking for a job and you're looking at these types of things, this is how to do that and how to validate that. Exactly. And yeah, one thing which we have been discussing as well before, Christopher, is actually, yeah, the, the way, I mean, I've recently been writing a bit about like applying for jobs. I know lots of my friends and colleagues are, are applying for jobs now and thinking about basically the next career, whether they have been laid off, furloughed, or even like basically at risk and, and thinking about what to do next. Yep. You need to think like an employer. So you need to get into the employer's heads, uh, like those people who are writing this job post and trying to hire you. Like you need to think, what is it that they are looking for? Most probably they are looking to get the job done, right? That's the essence of like opening, yes. uh, basically uh, a hiring. Um, There's uh, a problem. Is if a job's opened, some hiring manager is sitting there going, I need someone to do whatever. And that's, yes. that's the genesis of it. And you've got to get in there and figure out what is that? And how can I tell, how can I either have the skills to do it, build the skills if I don't have them, and then also tell that story of, I can solve that problem for you. 
Exactly. So as you said, you, you can look at the job post to understand what are the tasks, what are the abilities that I should have to be able to do the job. You can look at other people in the same department in the company to understand what their profiles look like. Even at small scale, definitely not accurate, very hard, but you can do that. And most importantly, you need to showcase some evidence around your ability to basically perform those tasks. It's not it's not only about your CV um, because like yeah. there is a lot of biases when it comes to to, 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 to CVs. And if I have, yeah. if I see a CV of a product manager applying, let's say in this example, and I'm looking for a product management leader, right? Facebook was looking for a product management leader. Okay, how many years of experience too? No. But like if you have a portfolio of products that have been showcasing your impact as a product manager, even if you have two years of experience, if you show evidence, even like writing about what you have done or like, joining talks like this or like building some products on the side like this tells a lot more than what a cv can 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 tell in a text or even a cover letter or whatever it is that you are trying to use so like innovating beyond the cv and trying to like build a portfolio is something very very important for any job seeker nowadays i i agree with you on that and i think one of the things that's interesting is one of the things you said that i'll hit on is right the years of experience thing can it can oftentimes throw people because they, they'll look at it and go, ah, you know, I only have, to your point, two years, and this is five or 10. But the thing with it, and I think this is a message for hiring managers too, is you do have to be really careful because somebody may have 10 years of experience, but that may be one year of experience on repeat 10 times versus somebody who's had two years of experience, but it is dynamic, diverse, right? They've done all sorts of different things. And you go, that person probably could blow the 10 years of experience person out of the water. And again, not to not to create any sort of bias on either side, but it's just one of those, you can't just, and I think this is the important part of even what you said about the job post, you can't look at one data point and say, oh, this tells me the whole story. No, it doesn't. What are the other elements? And I think as job seekers, how are you telling that holistic story? How are you showcasing that holistic story? But then also as, as job leaders looking for people how are you thinking differently about it and what other points are you considering yes yes 100 christopher okay so but but let's talk a little bit about this process piece because one of the things that i brought up before we went live that i was curious about is i i worked i did a stint in higher ed and there's two challenges that i i see and i'm sure you have to face some of this stuff is one this whole shift from skill capability showcasing versus certificate or diploma. I did this thing, I got a diploma, therefore company, you have to hire me because now I have this thing. That That's fading. And I know higher ed is, is struggling with that. Uh, a lot of industries are struggling with that as they figure out, well, how do we now make this shift? But that's also affecting employees because they're thinking, well, so how do I make this transition? So I'm sure people who are using your platform or people you're working with are going through that. And then the other one is setting that expectation or helping people understand that they're just like you can't just look at one data point. You can't just do one thing and expect outcome at the end. Oh, I did this learning path. Therefore, somebody's going to hand me a job because I did it. Because that's the old way of thinking, which is oh, I do this thing. I get a diploma. I get a job. You can't apply that into this new world of, oh, I did this personalized thing. And so therefore X, now I get a job, correct? Yeah, that's correct. I mean, on, on the first point, um, I guess um, that, that's that's super true in terms of the, like how certificates and degrees matters uh, nowadays. Uh, I mean, they still matter to be honest. And uh, like, yeah. even even if I don't agree that much on, on some cases, but it is the fact that those people who make matter. decisions, I yeah, know. like still basically you need to care about these things. You need to worry about like whether you got a degree or not. You need to have some some courses on your profile or like gain some certificates that are worth basically their, their your money for sure if you are paying for it. Um, because people are making this, some people are making decisions. A lot of people are making decisions based on this, uh, unfortunately. But more people nowadays are looking for other signals. And that's, that's I've written recently, I've been talking that Skills used to be a social currency. It used to be like something nice. I brag about it. I put it on my profile. <laughs> oh, nice. I have 10 endorsements. Three, I'm, I'm, I'm great. But I don't really, I don't have these skills. And most people who endorse me don't know whether I have it, but it just looked nice on my profile. So it used yeah, to be a social currency. honor or something like that. Yeah. And nowadays becoming more and more of a global currency that people understand and communicate with and, and really look for. At some points also like this definition of like career skills, not just the skills, the skills 
related to the career and related to your career and the career that you're applying for. So let's say you have been in industry for 20 years. You have a lot of skills. You, you, you basically you are, have been working in 10 companies, but now you are applying for a job. The way I'll be, I'll be evaluating you is on this job, on the skills I need for this job, yep. not basically on your general experience. So I would be evaluating you again as the career skills. That's why we care a lot about using this data to identify what are the companies looking for when it comes to hiring for this specific role. Like we need really to like fine tune your experience to help you land this specific job, which needs these specific skills. Other things might matter, but not as important as one, two, three, these job tasks example that we have been looking for. Okay. So that's very cool. And the more you show evidence, as we said about you owning those skills, it might be certificates. This would help some companies, some employers, yeah. but in, in other cases, it needs more. And this comes to your other point, like, when even you are evaluating which learning platform to use or what certificate to take, you need to see whether there is a clear a clear sort of like connection between what you learn and the job at the end. If it is just, okay, I've learned a lot of content, I've gone through this workshops, I've talking to a mentor, and then at the end they are promising you a job, this wouldn't happen. Like, like yeah. I'm not sure why some companies, even some boot camps are like promising a job, but they don't do anything related to that job until basically you, you finish your path. Like, is it is it really a fact that like they really trust their learning that much? It's just like they know that everyone looking for a software developer would be looking for those specific skills, and that's why they are just like okay. filling the pipeline with more people going through the same experience. It doesn't work like that. Different companies have different needs, unless they have secure deals that a company told them, "Hey, I'm going to hire right. whoever you." We will hire X number of people who complete this program out of this thing. Yeah. Yeah, some 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 boot camps and MOOCs have this. This is great. I mean, this is great for consumers. Uh, like definitely, you know that you are getting into something that is a job guaranteed element. Um, in this case, you, you are winning it and you are find the, the the right deal. But in most of the other cases, the learning platforms, the MOOCs are promising you that these skills matter. You need to question why they matter, and if you felt that this lack of personalization, relevancy, uh, geography specific things are are not there then you should question. Yeah. If, if you go to this MOOC as someone in Ukraine and you see that you are going through an experience similar to someone in India, start to question whether Ukraine and India in terms of like marketplace- is, trans- is the transference there. Exactly, yeah. Well, and and this is a, this is, we talked about this going into it. It's about drawing these connections. And honestly, I think one of the biggest things when you look at this is using all these data points and then being able to tell a meaningful story because to your point about previous experience and previous skills, maybe they're relevant, maybe they're not, maybe you have to actually kind of help tell the story of how they are relevant or what you learned from them and then now how they've applied to this new different thing. Because again, to your point, when it comes to landing a job, when it comes to getting that, it's about being able to set yourself apart as, hey, my skills, my experience, what I bring to the table is the best for this role so that that makes it crystal clear. And that's where just throwing everything at the wall and hoping it sticks and saying, here, just let me tell you everything I did, everything I could have possibly done. (laughs) I'm not going to, I'm not going to tailor it. I just, I hope you look at it and are just blown away. It doesn't work. Yes. And actually on, on that point, Christopher, I think it is a great point that we need to rethink the way, the way we learn and basically digest knowledge now, because it plays a huge role, if not the main role, in the way you would be showcasing your skills later and utilizing it to do the job. Like you really need to create these connections between like the the content that you are adding, let's say in the very simplest form, like you are watching 10 videos on YouTube. Okay. So you are trying to be a sales development representative, you know, basically this course on Udemy or or YouTube or whatever that is good. It has 10 videos or 10 pieces of content, and you read these contents. If you are not basically building connections between what you read if you are not connecting the dots between the role of the sales development representative and how he basically informs or like build a sales pipeline and how this lead is getting passed to another like someone of another role of like what does the account executive do after after the pipeline or the the lead is qualified if you don't if you are not connecting the dots you're just adding content you are just adding nodes to your graph but the nodes will be in the voids there are no connections there are no edges 
And this way, your knowledge would be obsolete in a few weeks, if not a few days, and you will forget about them. But whenever you read an article, this is something, this is an exercise that you usually do. Like in a very, this is a very simple thing that everyone can do, even like just directly after the talk. Whenever you read an article, like focus not just on like digesting the information in the article, but while you are reading, try to relate it to something that you have read in the past, either to connect it to a specific node or to to replace it with the nodes or to like remove another node and, and replace it with it. So if I'm reading about product strategy, let's say, and the way I used to understand product strategy is that product strategy is a document with some sentences about what this company should be doing. And then by time I start to feel that product strategy is way bigger than that. It's actually, it sits after the business strategy and before the product roadmap. And then there is the, basically the, the plan. So the product strategy is not the plan. I should be building these connections the more I'm reading about product strategy, about product roadmap, but I should be asking myself these questions. I shouldn't be just, okay, this is product roadmap, this is product strategy, this is product plan, this is how business is done, and by expecting to do something with all this knowledge, I wouldn't. Well, and I think that's a really important takeaway on this whole piece because this is where, and I, you see this in learning and development a lot, and I think this is one of the reasons you you see burnout and fatigue on this is there are a lot of people doing a lot of learning activity. They're, they're watching a lot of content. They're reading a lot of books. They're doing a lot of stuff. But to your point, is it adding value? Is it getting you where you want to go? Are you drawing those connections and helping tell a more holistic story? Or is it just churn and burn? You're going through these activities so you can say, right, I checked the box. I did this. I, I completed this course. I completed this thing. I couldn't tell you how it connects to anything or what I'm going to do with this. But I've, I've gone through the exercise of doing it. And I think to your point, and it sounds like this really is the goal of knowledge officers to say, let us help you be more efficient in that exercise so that yes. rather than just going out, doing whatever you can, grabbing anything that's on any shelf or somebody tells you to do and just doing it and hoping at the end, you grab the right things, you put them in the right order, or you just have enough in your cart that hopefully somebody will go, wow, you know, they have enough stuff. Instead, you're saying, no, I'm going to be strategic. I'm going to go through, I'm going to grab what I need. I'm going to connect it to what I need. And then that's ultimately going to connect me to the role that I'm looking to get. Exactly. So back to the analogy that we used about Waze and Google Maps. Like if you, if you want to go to a specific destination, instead of like trying your best about like moving in different direction, getting this road or that road and trying to see if you are getting closer, if there is sort of like a system that would tell you like, go go right and then go left walk 10 minutes and then basically go straight we are trying to create the system like we are trying to create the system that would definitely it's not it's not it's not built by our own expertise of knowing every career but that's why we rely on data because no one will be able to claim that he knows the path to every career possible on the planet and this is also not sustainable because it's it is They're changing, changing. <laughs> exactly if if you are a platform that relies on the expertise of your mentors and, and 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 that's it that's your own edge that that's that might that might pull for a few years but it's definitely not sustainable because those mentors are not going to be able to keep up to date with everything happening around them and they are not going to be relevant for every industry for every geography for every seniority level it's it's beyond what human brains can do on their own like this is really really when we need to use technology this is the exact usage of technology human case for it exactly. <laughs> this is a perfect use case Yes, and then we will use humans definitely to basically like use this, this data and insights to make decisions. It's not just yeah. like we, you are going nope. to automate everything. It's not this like a robot. This is the human in the loop part. This is the exactly. human in the loop saying you don't just turn it over to the machine and say you've got it. Just take care of it. No, but yes, it's it's doing that massive rote, just tedious stuff that we just don't have capacity or capability to do and then letting us make the smart strategic decisions and make the decisions about what that data is telling us versus trying to sit and scour through everything yes and and through like the learning experience that we have one thing we, we try to force people to have these checkpoints even we call them checkpoints okay. so like if we know that basically you're going through a pass you're trying to be this product management ma manager leader at, at, at facebook for e-commerce we know that these this required this 10 job tasks okay we are giving you a path this path should basically help you understand the first job task and then you need to pass by a checkpoint 
okay. and then you, you okay, get to so know whether you have checkpoints along these pathways yes, to say, hey, we've identified yes. these components, these skills. And as we work you towards it, we're going to check in to make sure you're actually making progress towards those. 100%. Assessments is a core part, if not the, the main part, like learning by doing. Like we sure. always believe in the, the three components of learning, the learn, practice, and get mentorship. Like the, these definitely exist in different plans that knowledge officer, but the, the three are completes the whole picture. You talk okay. to a human experts to give you mentorship, you practice what you learn, and definitely you have access to material, whether videos, um, uh, podcasts, articles, whatever the okay. format is. So as part of that trifecta, then, I, if I'm understanding you correctly, the pathways actually have that trifecta built in because that is – yes. In my in my opinion, this is one of the areas we've we haven't always done a great job is this assumption that well people they read the stuff or they watch the stuff so they have the skills. Well, not necessarily. If they haven't done it or somebody else hasn't given them some feedback or coaching or development along, we don't know. And and I actually have seen this where we've actually in many cases created a massive Dunning Kruger effect. We have a bunch of people who think they're experts at everything. And they don't actually know how to do anything because it's just, well, you've watched a bunch of videos or you've read a bunch of articles, but you haven't done it. You don't, we don't really know. So it sounds like these pathways are also designed to not only build the knowledge, but the actual skills behind you can do this and you're getting feedback along the way. Yeah, hundred percent. I, I guess the word skills and required skills and, and, and these things are the most common words within, within the team. We always talk about it. Um, like, Content matters, but it, it's not it, it's not as important as focusing on skills and improving those skills through authentic assessments. And that's it's it's a very important thing to understand also how you are building assessments and whether they are proving it or not, whether they are proving what they should be proving or they just score people high because like they could be faked or they are too easy right. or they are just like multiple choice. But on your point earlier, um, I hundred percent second you, Christopher. I guess. Like um, the highest, in my view, the highest level of mastery about a topic is knowing what you don't know. So being <laughs> able to really understand what you lack and what you don't have and, and, and build a path toward having this. This is really the mastery of a topic. And that's why most of the amazing experts are super humble. And if you talk to them, they feel that they, they talk to you as if they don't know like this massive information and expertise about a topic because they know they, they still lack a lot. They, yeah. they see far ahead uh, in the future and you can see it now uh, you think you're an expert but very few people are actually <laughs> experts well because the more you learn the more you realize just how big this stuff is yes. and you go yes. good grief i know this but this is yeah this is this big and and how could you ever do that but again it's just that constant pursuit of well how do you learn more and how do you how do you draw the connections how do you add new nodes and the point we talked about earlier which is how do you remove nodes too because there are things that you may yes. have in that knowledge or skill gap where you go, well, this is how you do it. And the answer to that is not anymore, it's not. In fact, you need to bury that thing six feet under because that's actually working against you. So throw that out and put a new note in because that one's, the, the fuse is burnt. Like it's burnt yes. out, it needs to be replaced. Yes, learn and unlearn. Yeah, both are needed in, in today's world on 100%. So one of the, the, and again, we'll, we may run out of time on this one. So we'll see, I'm going to open the box anyway. We'll open Pandora's box and see what yeah. happens. But the thing with it that I see a lot of times that as, as I look at, and I actually talked about this recently, when you look at, when you look at upskilling and reskilling and even this whole thing, and, and maybe some people who end up watching this, this can create some unease in people. There's a little, uh, there's a fear factor coming in because when you talk, when you think about it, a lot of people attribute a lot of their identity to the skills they have or the jobs they've had. They, they've become very personally and emotionally attached to that. And when you start saying you need to, you need to let that go, or you need to build new skills because you need to move over here, people there, there's this effect that just can really take people over that makes them hold on and go, this is a threat to me. And so how, how do you see that impacting things? And then how do you bridge that gap for people? Because I've got some perspective on it, but with as much as you're doing with this and as probably many people are, are going through this, you have to have some things that are helping people bridge that gap because that can shut people down. I mean, big time. That can be a success killer is just going, I'm going to hold so tightly to what I know, what I'm comfortable with, 
because that is who I am. And then, and then it's like, but you got to move. There's a meteor coming and it's going to, it's going to land right on your head if you do not get out of the way. Yeah. I mean, I, I totally agree with you, Christopher, I guess like this has many, many sides of it. Like one, one thing which I, I feel bad about, and that this is basically has nothing to do with the, with the, the users or the learners themselves is that we tend to keep people in the dark a little bit about these things. We don't, we it's tend true. to talk a little bit broadly. Okay. You need to upskill because your industry is changing. Okay. Like we don't really like communicate exact things that are changing or like, why do you need to, to change or like what will happen if you don't change and we don't tell good stories about it like the availability of data out there that talks about these things is very very uh, basically low and even the ones which are there are very complex reports that are maybe outdated like if you look online for the skills framework or like the job title taxonomies of some frameworks it's, it's very very old and it doesn't really it doesn't relate to what people are doing on the day-to-day -day job and it, ha it covers even like very um, certain industries and profiles i think definitely like on on the corporate side or like uh, the employer side or the governments or policymakers, I think we need to make a lot of this data available. We, we try to do this even now, like we try to like open this box as much as possible and try to showcase this data because we have seen the impact of it. Feel, having people feel like how they progress and what they lack and knowing why they lack the skills and why it's important even that they should pursue it is very, very important to increase their motivation and let them fight this tendency to stay and and and, and basically um, and be comfortable in what they are doing. So that's one thing I think on the other side, we, we should be doing more. Um, on, on, the, on the learner side, I think you really need to question like how much you are learning and how much you are you are developing and whether this is whether this is even compared to your peers is is the norm. Like I get surprised still that very few people um, or many many people don't don't read that much or don't try that much. I'm 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 always talking about writing as well. Recently, I've been talking about this fact. You can see it even in in the business world. Like lots of people are closing deals over WhatsApp, and like basically they 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 communicate very very detailed things over phone. Like some people are not even comfortable writing long essays or like writing like proposals that tells good stories. This basically demonstrates the lack of skills, like strategic thinking and, and other things that because we haven't been developing things and we haven't been focusing on like basically um, um, increasing our skills in those areas. So definitely, I, I think everyone should put a goal that you should be developing some sort of skill that matter for your career. 100% focus on things that matter for your career. I know that no one would have anything important than his or her life or the basically the, the increase of their salaries or creating a better life for their families. That's why don't think about like general upskilling for now. If you have the luxury, do it. Like if you are Bill Gates, Bill Gates read books about everything, right? <laughs> like, okay, like this guy, like invest in many industries. He care about like the world's biggest problem. Uh, but most of us don't have this scale yet. Hopefully all of us would be at some point. Yeah. Uh, so focus on things that matters to your careers. Talk to your senior leaders, talk to your peers, understand what are the things that you need to develop. Try to create your own path. If you don't have access to a platform that basically create this for you, or hopefully I don't want to appear like salesy, give it a try to knowledge officer. Uh, but like, it's, it's okay. You're here to talk about the fact you have created some sort of solution for it. That's the beauty of the show is it's like, well, Hey, we're talking about this stuff, but you, you have yes. created something to help people with this journey. And I think it's important journey. And to me, I don't consider it selling when you're saying, this is what we do. This is why, this is how it works. If it's valuable to you and it's something you're yes. looking to do, then why wouldn't you check this out for sure? Yeah, and actually this we is, do go for it. Go for it. No, I was saying just one thing. We actually always like because again, like we love what we do. Like we are definitely in the business of making a business and trying to scale, etc. Be the next unicorn or whatever people are saying about about these things nowadays. Uh, but definitely, we we always invite users to challenge us even with the impact of what we do, and we tend to really care about measuring this impact. So definitely question this with us or with any other platform. Try to make sure that it is impactful and you are transitioning and developing your skills towards a goal that matters to you. This is really the true uh, secret sauce of building successful learning journeys. Yeah. Well, and 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 your passion about the topic comes through, right? This isn't just something that's that's a thing. And and that's this has been an extremely valuable discussion. I think the, those two big takeaways at the end. It was a great way to put a bow, right? A ribbon on the top of this was. One, as 
as employers, I agree, you know, as learning leaders, as HR leaders, as business leaders, we have to do a much better job of telling the stories, telling the stories of where we're going as an organization. What does that mean from a job standpoint? Remove that fear. Because the reality is when people don't know, they fill in the gaps and the stuff they fill in the gaps with is not positive ever. Yes. It's never, oh, let's assume the best. It's always the, this is going to be terrible. They hate me. I'm going to get fired. That's that's where people's heads go. And when we can tell the stories and fill those gaps, we can really make a big difference. But to your point for those who are employees or job seekers or whoever you are, you know, what are you doing to constantly push yourself forward? And that is that is work. And there's there's no easy way to say, oh, no, it doesn't have to be work. No, it is work. It's work, but it's valuable work. Just find the right tools and the channels to do it as efficiently as possible. And I think there's a lot of great solutions. That was one of the ones we wanted to talk about today. So this has been great. And we are at out of time. We could keep going. We managed to close Pandora's box, you know, in, in a relatively good time frame. We put, could have kept going. But for those of you watching, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for joining me, Ahmed. And uh, I just appreciate your time and, and everybody watching. Hopefully you got something valuable out of this. Have a great rest of your Friday and a wonderful weekend. Thank you, Christopher. Thank you all guys for listening.